Hello, and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling ideas in some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. And I'm Chris. And this week we are looking at chapter four of Mockingjay. So Chris, why don't you give us a recap of what happens in this chapter? And there's so much, and that's why we had to do an episode just on it. (laughs) Sure. So Katniss sees the horrible conditions that the prep team is being kept in and finds out that they were kidnapped from the capital on the night of the arena breakout, confined, and punished because Octavia was taking bread she wasn't supposed to. Katniss demands their release, and with Plutarch's backing, they take the prep team to her mother in the hospital. Katniss sees their treatment as a warning from Coin not to cross her, but Plutarch seems unconcerned. They are released for the day, and Katniss and Gale get to go hunting, with Katniss savoring the time in nature. After they catch some game, Gale questions why Katniss cares so much about the prep team, sparking an argument over their complicity in the Hunger Games. Later, Katniss goes to the District 13 gathering that Coyne promised, and after speaking to Finnick, goes to Coyne to add Annie to the immunity list. Coyne announces their agreement, but adds that if Katniss does not meet expectations, the agreement will be terminated, and she and the other tributes will be open to District 13 justice. Justice, let's call it that. (laughs) Yes, so... A lot of different concepts and ideas to talk about. Mm -hmm. Why don't we jump in with our striking moments? What really struck you or stood out to you this read-through? Maybe you hadn't noticed before or just something that really is gripping you. Yeah, one is the parallel that, that Katniss herself points out to Octavia being punished for taking bread and her earlier having given Katniss bread mm-hmm. when given a really strict diet after winning the 74th games. Yeah, it's just interesting to see how the two of them have this you know, shared experience, essentially, over being told that they can't eat. Or can't eat more. Yeah, exactly. It's something that I, I always forget about when I reread the books because it just it surprises me every time. I also just frankly kind of feel like the prep team blends together in my head a lot when I've read through these books. So I don't remember much about any of their specific personalities or interactions with Katniss. I think of them so much often as like as a huddle of the three of them. Okay, Gail. <laughs> kinda. So yeah, when these kind of moments do happen, I think they, they just are something that I find interesting and, and do help because it shows how for Katniss, that's never the case. Katniss mm. very much sees them as individuals. So yeah, I just, I think that that's a, an interesting moment to see how Katniss is automatically struck by this memory when she sees how they're being treated. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's such a great moment because it shows that the people in the capital aren't just monolithic evil, even though they participate, unless they're undercover rebels, Mm -hmm. in this evil system. So they are complicit. At the same time, there are degrees. And just because people are complicit doesn't mean that they can't have compassion or kindness yeah but their compassion or kindness in certain instances doesn't undo their complicity in a system of oppression exactly yeah the two have to coexist you can't uh you can't erase one or the other 
Yeah. I mean, and that that's the great thing with Katniss, that she is able to, I mean, maybe in some ways, in slightly dehumanizing terms that I'm not sure, you know, like thinking of them more like children and how ignorant they are and how just kind of simple and like taking care of their lives are. But she still sees their humanity Mm -hmm. in a way that Gail doesn't or, or doesn't want to. And because of that, it's complicated for her because she's still so angry about it all. She still doesn't necessarily respect them, but that doesn't mean she doesn't care for them. Yeah, she has witnessed their kindness to her and even been impacted by it, physically impacted when she gets the role, but even when they were crying for her, even though it was harder for her, she still was touched in that moment. So, yeah, I, I think that it's just a a really, really fascinating dynamic that we see at play here. Yeah, maybe maybe it goes both ways. They don't respect Katniss in a way of seeing her as a person who this should never happen to. Yeah. But they still care for her in the ways that they can at the place they're in, in their journey of learning to not be you know terrible mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i had one other striking moment and that was when gail and katniss got hunting she describes how they immediately get in sync and they don't even have to talk now to one I another just hear bye 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 in my head i mean <laughs> stop listening to this podcast and just put that on it's much better it's gonna be me <laughs> i know it's a different song but now i'm just imagining gail singing that song <laughs> maybe i'd like it more uh, <laughs> i mean we don't hate i know i know, I know it's just funny jokes yeah it's true no i was thinking about how they start acting in a coordinated manner very, very quickly, and how they don't even have to communicate with one another in vocal dialogue, because this is something that they are so familiar with, and so at home doing. And it just made me start thinking about, like, muscle memory. Mm. One thing that, you know, for me comes to mind is video games. (laughs) Yeah. Because I have played so many video games, and I started playing video games when I was very young, and I've been playing my, you know, most of my life. And so when I pick up a new video game, I'm still able to pick up those controls in a way that someone who is less familiar with games won't be able to. Exactly. But then I also started thinking even on top of that, beyond just muscle memory, there's this aspect of a kind of relational memory that this is not just that they're both able to hunt, but they're able to hunt in coordination, which I think is really interesting. And, And for me, the closest thing that comes to that is when kind of I'll see someone I haven't seen in a long time or haven't spent a lot of time with in a long time and can so quickly go back into familiar ways of interacting Mm -hmm. uh, and just kind of a familiar relationship dynamic. Uh, When we went and visited my friend in Minnesota a few years back, he's someone who I was very, very close to in middle school and high school, but then he moved away and... I can still see him decade, you know, over a decade later and pick up so much of that rapport and still have that kind of familiarity, even though we spent more time apart than we ever did together. 
Totally. And sadly, the reverse is true, too, where it's like you can be in a situation with the family you grew up with and very quickly devolve into the unhealthy dynamic. That's also true, yes. <laughs> like, I thought I had grown since then, but I guess not. It takes you right back. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I remember the first time I lived away from my family for an extended period of time was when I was in Japan. And when my family came and visited me after nine months or so, I was surprised by how quickly I started getting annoyed with my siblings or like rolling my eyes at my sister and my mom snapping at each other or like all these other kinds of things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But what about you? What were your striking moments? The main one I was thinking about in this chapter was that I have forgotten how suicidal Finnick was. Mm Mm-hmm. We know that he said something about, oh, I, you know, maybe I should kill myself or die or something at the end of the last book, but that was in right in the aftermath of all of these things. And I remembered very much his emotional instability, but not the suicidal side of uh, the risk of that for him. And so when. Katniss looks over to him at the assembly and notices that Finnick has a length of rope that is too short to make a noose out of, Mm -hmm. Uh, even for him, who's so skilled at making knots. uh, That was just something that I was like, wow, other people must have given him this rope and measured it out before giving it to him, because that's the the mental state that he's in currently. And that's such a powerful moment too because Katniss frames it that way in her mind. Mm -hmm. She understands that danger and that desire for ending. So when she sees the rope, that's one of the first thing that that comes to her mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it was just kind of making me have questions too about how common would even being aware of certain things like this be in District 13? Is that something that happens? Are are they given supplements for vitamin D? Mm. You know, all of these different things since they live underground. Yeah, how there isn't beauty, there isn't art, there isn't things that in grim circumstances can make life more joyful or meaningful or fulfilling and so yeah i kind of wonder if this is something that people are you know kind like the the medical professionals there are are aware of and so they already have certain protocols and stuff yeah that's fascinating and that's making me start thinking if how they use medication Hmm. and to what extent they use the medication because yeah it makes sense to take a vitamin d supplement but i wouldn't put it past district 13 to also put antidepressants in their food and you know it shows how comfortable district 13 is in controlling its population for Mm -hmm. the good of society that i could very easily imagine them also controlling the chemistry within the population uh, in very specific ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it, it would be very interesting, too, to think about how the culture of District 13 is very much 
about the common good mm-hmm. and everybody doing what they're supposed to do and not having excess and not having too little. And if everybody does what they're supposed to do, then everybody survives and everybody can live. And, and that's, that is the common good. But in societies like that, that doesn't mean that then people just aren't suicidal or anything like that. I mean, Japan is a great, sad example of that where much more communal mindset and, and, you know, a lot of things come from Confucianism and things like that. Yeah, you are supposed to do what's best for society. That's why, you know, there, there's the funny idea of you forget your bag on this train that goes mm-hmm. in a circle, but you can get it when, when it comes back around because no one will have stolen it. Yeah. Uh, but, unfortunately, that, that can't uh, completely undo depression or any of those things either so yeah it's it's interesting to think about in a district 13 context of how those things can play off of each other because you would think that coin would be like well nobody should even consider this because it is not what's good for everyone Mm -hmm. but also she can't allow people to to kill themselves and and die because they need more people in their population so it would be interesting to see her navigate that space absolutely yes but why don't we go into our next section which is from another point of view where we look at scenes or maybe an experience from a point of view other than Katniss's so who do you have yeah, kind of following your last comment, I was thinking about how the residents from District 13 took Coin's announcements, because we see that they are upset with the idea that Katniss had demands in becoming the Mockingjay, and I think so much of that is because of that kind of cultural idea of you have a duty to your community, and asking for something to do what you are already responsible do. for yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. is uh is is taboo and so getting into their minds about that and, and why they are upset with our protagonist i think was an interesting exercise but also when we start thinking about you know what that represents for kind of wider relationships because i think in a way their frustrations also are emblematic of the kind of arrogance that coin represents because they have the assumption that Katniss, as leader of the rebellion, will become the Mockingjay according to their needs and according to their direction. And I think it follows that they kind of see the rebellion as District 13 led, not as a coalition with equals and with other districts, but as something that should be following according to their priorities. And I wonder how much that comes from 75 years of isolation, where yeah. <laughs> they haven't had a ton of contact with the districts outside of the very few refugees who get there. So for a society that has clearly struggled, but also has had so much of its identity be around opposition to the capital and has been a part of these plans to rebel against the capital, 
I can understand why that is so foremost in their minds and why the idea of, oh, do these dis- other districts have different priorities? <laughs> do they have different ideas of what it means to overthrow the capital and yeah. uh, how we should treat people who are involved in it? Um, we don't have to worry about any of our family members being on a different side of this fight because we're all together in it. And we're not seeing the way the districts are that not only are there captured prisoners, but yeah, some people might be peacekeepers. Some people might just choose to work with the capital out of fear or comfort or, or whatever else other reason. Um, and that's just something that District 13 isn't going to understand the same way. And so it will impact, yeah, just the way that they think about the rebellion and the priorities they have in how to fight it. Yeah, and also, I mean, off of that goes back to them being angry at PETA. Mm -hmm. When we clearly see in this chapter that torture and imprisonment is the response to not following rules in District 13. So it is a deterrent from doing something that isn't good for the common good. Yeah. It's for not doing your duty, for not being responsible to your community. And so they don't have any concept of what it could be like to be tortured to do something. Mm -hmm. You know, and to just be like, PETA should be doing the quote-unquote right thing, regardless of how they're treating him, when what they get for not doing the quote-unquote wrong thing is not being tortured. It's just hypocritical. (laughs) Totally, yeah. I mean, looking at the prep team, they weren't asked to be a prep team for the rebellion. That's true. They were captured. Just like PETA, they're captured, Mm -hmm. they're tortured, and forced to do something for a common good that they don't necessarily ascribe to. Yeah. I mean, it's not like... They came here willingly and then didn't want to follow the rules. They were taken to be put to work for no compensation, you know. Never really explained the situation Mm -hmm. to. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of hypocrisy there. Mm -hmm. The last thing that, that I was thinking about in this area was how Coin is very forthright and frank in talking about how Katniss has agreed to become the Mockingjay, which, at least to me, reads that they have some understanding of the facade that the Mockingjay is for the districts. Mm-hmm. That there is a that there's a need for the Mockingjay to be a symbol of war for the districts. And so, again, it's this kind of communal understanding that they need to manipulate the districts to ally with them. Mm. And yeah, it's just, I think, a a general feeling of being patronizing that I'm starting to get from District 13. We don't spend a lot of time with any District 13 people outside of command. Mm-hmm. So we have to kind of do this type of exercise to really think about what that might be like. And unfortunately, from what I'm seeing here, I'm seeing a lot of ways in which the culture of District 13 and the way that they interact with the rebellion is 
right in lockstep with the kind of manipulative nature that coin has. Well, I mean, the manipulative nature, I feel like, of <laughs> all governments to some degree, you know? Totally. Like, obviously, the capital's like that, too. Yeah. But, yeah, whenever you're getting masses of people to do things that they might not want to do, you have to manipulate them mm-hmm. to some degree or, you know, have severe consequences if they don't go along with it. And and maybe Coin doesn't manipulate her own people so much because this is part of the culture, yeah. but they definitely... Um, are fine with using the districts, using Katniss uh, for their own ends. Yeah, absolutely. What about you? What perspective did you want to bring? So I was thinking about Gail. Mm. Just having to get used to not getting along with Katniss Mm. all the time because their differing viewpoints matter more. Now that they aren't just theoretical, now that they aren't just like, oh, we'll talk about these things or he'll vent about things when we're in the woods and they don't have weight because they're not happening, but now things are actually happening and they thus would cause much more conflict because if something's just in theory, it's just in theory. Yeah. Um, It was also interesting for me to imagine how he navigates living in a strict hierarchical structure that is District 13. Obviously, we know certain ways it makes Katniss uncomfortable and frustrated. And I could imagine it probably does for him as well. But him being pretty fine living in District 13 because they're doing what his ultimate aim is which is trying to take down the capital. And yet he's also fine with breaking their rules, mm-hmm. uh, doing things like, you know, holding the guard back when Katniss goes into the room where her prep teen is being held. And so, yeah, I, I was just finding it pretty fascinating thinking about what must be going through his mind as there's a lot of changes for him as well and he also has a pretty big family there and he's trying to support Katniss but he keeps frustrating her Mm. and he wants to be involved in the revolution but he's still an outsider in District 13 and so yeah I was just thinking about him probably being uncomfortable a lot as well in both similar and different ways as Katniss is and finding it also you know interesting how I think that he's more comfortable with Katniss having a different perspective than he does than she is with him having a different perspective granted hers is more gracious and his is more brutal so I I get you Katniss (laughs) (laughs) yeah Gail's definitely in a really interesting position because like as you mentioned he probably has a perspective that is more in line with District 13 than Katniss does and he is still willing to yeah 
distract the guards, knock Boggs down uh, earlier in the book, you know, mm-hmm. because his loyalty to Katniss is still more important to him. Yet, with Katniss, he also is willing to challenge her with ideas that are more brutal, as you mentioned, more kind of unnuanced and anti-capital uh, in that way. Mm-hmm. And it's not like Katniss is pro-capital, yeah. but she does have more nuance, I think, than he has. And yet I, I find it very interesting when she is arguing, for example, about the prep team, but she's also like, he's right. Mm-hmm. But his perspective, I think, isn't complete. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. He's not wrong when it comes to you were the actual child in the situation and you shouldn't have had to make accommodations for your prep team who were the adults and should have been able to understand how horrific these games are. So, yeah, he's right there, but... That doesn't mean... Torture's okay. Yeah. People who do terrible things or are part of terrible things, it's fine for them to be punished in ways like that. So, I mean, like, I don't think he has a philosophical problem, I think. I just don't agree with his conclusions. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why, you know, we we do joke about Gale fairly often but i think in this book he is a very compelling character because he allows for interesting conversations and yeah he's navigating these different sides in different ways and that forces katniss to also reflect on how she's navigating things and what she believes and what she feels and what she does which is why we then have whole episodes on one chapter because there's this <laughs> interesting stuff going on totally i mean it's kind of like reminds me of uh Black Panther, in a way. Mm. Like, Killmonger, I understand, to to the best that I can understand, his perspective. And, like, there is logic to it. Yeah. Even if I don't agree with the conclusion. But I I also can't say, like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... Yeah, I, I, that's, that's why he's a compelling villain yeah. is because I understand why you believe these things and I can't even exactly say that you're wrong mm-hmm. for any reason other than compassion. Totally. <laughs> and if we don't judge compassion as being more important than all of these lives that are being so negatively affected and, and uh, there's an argument to be made that it shouldn't be right Mm -hmm. but that that's where it gets complicated right absolutely yeah yeah and you and you also can kind of think about like this martin luther king jr and malcolm x like operating at the same time and not exactly in the same spaces but having very different ideologies both trying to address racism and institutional structures that were so oppressive, I mm-hmm. mean, and continued to still be so oppressive, and I can't just be like, no, Malcolm X is just wrong, you know? There are compelling and logical reasons for both of their reasoning. Totally, yeah. I don't know if Gail's at Malcolm X's level, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we get out of philosophy and into real world problems? <laughs> Not that they don't affect each other, but why don't we move into our touch points, which are the things that we see happening in this chapter that we also see paralleled or mirrored in our own world. What do you have? Yeah, so a couple small ones. One is how Katniss's mom is treated like a nurse rather than a doctor Mm -hmm. in their hospital. It reminded me of how our system, our society, really privileges a single track of learning and experience, Mm. which is college which is you know university and while i clearly am a big fan of college and university (laughs) and that kind of education i also think that that leaves out some of the other experiences that people can have Uh, one of the ones that come to mind that i've heard about is how uh, people in the military who serve as medics then have to come back and get whole new licensing to become even emt or something like that while I think licensing our EMTs and our medical professionals is important, there isn't a clear enough path that connects those skills that are that overlap so much that can ultimately be more difficult for someone to transition to a better opportunity than they might have. I mean, and, and veterans certainly have a higher rate of unemployment than uh, the general population. Yeah. I mean, also, at least they get their school paid for if they do follow along that. But yeah, it's... uh, I watched this show on Hulu a couple years ago about a Syrian refugee in Canada who had a lot of experience helping people medically Mm -hmm. after bombings and all of these different things. But technically, he didn't necessarily have all of the same qualifications or whatever i mean and i don't i don't think it was picked up for a second season which is sad and probably racist but uh it seemed like some of those things were going to be a problem for him like working in the field and it's like should this person have to start from scratch you know and it's yeah kind of like what you were saying yeah that's a great other example is yeah immigration and Mm -hmm. and what degrees or experience they have before they immigrate and Uh, oh that degree isn't in english and so we can't uh you know get you a job or you come and you do a menial job or work in restaurants or what have you and because your english isn't university level but you can speak your native language have achieved a degree in that and can speak english well enough to communicate Mm -hmm. with the people around you and yet you're, you're held back in that way Back when I was in university, I took a modern anthropology class, and one of the things we did in that class was to get a cultural mentor of somebody who was of a different first language, uh, Mm. nationality, and religion as us. Mm. Because I went to a Christian university, it makes more sense in that case. Yeah. And my cultural mentor was originally from Pakistan, and... Yeah, he had, he, I think he got the same degree both there and here. I mean, he got multiple degrees. He Mm -hmm. had like two or three masters and a PhD. Yeah, he was, wow. (laughs) He was great. But it was just like so preposterous. Yeah. 
guess luckily he was a Ravenclaw, but still. <laughs> well, and he had the resources, opportunity, time, mm-hmm. support, all the other things that he needed to get those degrees. Um, not to say that he didn't earn them or didn't work hard for them, but, yeah. you know, they're there's so much more that goes into that too so yeah there are yeah. other people that they would just never possibly be able to do that totally so yeah that's that's very very interesting another small one i had was just the idea of how we kind of talk about a lot how it's it's harder to hate people who you actually know ender yeah exactly <laughs> and from ender's game so often i feel like that is applied as kind of a lesson for those who are oppressive that, oh, if a white nationalist just actually spent time around non-white people, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, that would help. It'd make it harder for them to maintain these beliefs and, and so forth. And maybe that's true, but poor all of the, uh, the people who have to spend time with them true. to try to help them be where they need to. Yeah. Yeah. But this chapter made me think about the opposite as well, which is how... For Gale, it is easier for him to hate the prep team because he doesn't know them, even though the prep team themselves are the oppressors. And so, mm-hmm. kind of like what you're saying, you know, understandably, people who are oppressed can build great negative feelings and hatred towards those who oppress them. And Katniss shows how, even while the awful things they do, the complicity that they have, or the outright evil actions they've done can never be taken away like those are still important she's also seeing the humanity that exists as well which makes it harder for her to hate the prep team harder for her to hate Cinna and effie and these other people even though they're in the capital and yeah complicit with these games so yeah i just think it's an interesting kind of twist on that or for me at least a twist on that because it's so often at least in my mind thought about oh if only white people in the american south were around more queer people, more around more, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, then they would stop being so hateful. But if I, only everybody was around more disabled people. Right. But I also, living in Los Angeles, don't come across many conservative people. And if I did, it would be hard to want to get to know them enough to humanize them. Yeah. But it also proves that it's... <laughs> It doesn't just work. Totally. Being, like, exposure doesn't just change those things. It definitely helps. Yeah. But, I mean, it was something like 500,000 people in L.A. voted for Trump. Something like that. It was it was a horrifying number considering that it's Los Angeles mm-hmm. and, you know, this has been our home. And... We don't really know <laughs> these people. Yeah. Um, but, and you cannot be in a complete bubble in Los Angeles. Totally. Only around people like you. It's it's impossible. Um, unless you literally never leave your home. Um, or your neighborhood. But it's very difficult. It's very difficult, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, I, I do think of it kind of in the opposite way, too, of... I mean, the idea of loving your neighbor, you know, that comes from the Bible is the most difficult thing, right? (laughs) Because the neighbor is anyone and including your enemies, quote unquote enemies. And I remember just 
Uh, I was, it was auditing a class with one of my favorite theology professors during 2016. Mm. And just, I remember a conversation that we were having in class just being like, how can Trump be our neighbor? Like, how, <laughs> how can we possibly not hate this person? How can we love this person? How can we, you know, like, I mean, praying for, like, you can get tricky with that and be mm. like, well, you pray for him to see his wrong ways and repent, right? <laughs> I mean, that would be the best yeah. thing for him, technically. For many of us. <laughs> for the world. Yes. Um, but, and I remember my teacher being like, I mean, yeah, it seems like it'd be really difficult, but it's it's hard for me to even speak to that because I can't interact with it. Like, I've never interacted with this person. Mm. You only see this very curated, horrific caricature of what this person is. And sure, a lot of that's coming from himself. Yeah. But when you never interact with a person, there's just a level to their humanity that you can never see. And so, not that you thought it would ever be easy, but it's just, how do, how do you even engage those thoughts when you never interact with a person, you know? So maybe it's a little bit of a cop-out, because... It would still be really difficult, but, Mm -hmm. you know, there's always the possibility that in person, a person's worse. That's true. You see even more horrible parts of their (laughs) humanity. (laughs) But uh, that's the thing, even for Katniss, the more she interacted with the prep team, the more these things weren't simple. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the last big touch point, which I imagine you also were thinking about, is, of course, the imprisonment, the torture, the treatment of the prep team. Oh, yes. I have that in my notes. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Katniss says that she can sense how they're, they're unwashed, the smell still urine and infection. Mm. And it's just, uh, you know, when you think about those three things, we see just a total disregard for the conditions that these people are living in they're not only denied access to the amount of food they'd like to eat which okay but to basic medical treatment Mm -hmm. to the ability to move about to clean themselves to live in a place that's sanitary like these very basic things that wouldn't be hard to access but to even move out of a crouch position shackled to the wall yeah but it's just there for cruelty's sake, essentially. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's awful. Yeah, I mean, it does not serve the utility of them mm-hmm. because they literally need other people to help them walk out because mm-hmm. they've been in there so long and haven't been able to move their muscles. How is that helping the quote-unquote common good? Exactly. And okay, so Octavia was taking extra bread. In a society that controls so much, why isn't there a middle ground between, here, take as much bread as you want, but not more than we say, Mm -hmm. and we're shackling you up so that you can't even move? Why can't it just be, here's the bread that you have? Mm -hmm. You know, like, there are such easy other solutions that they could have if this is actually a problem that they don't even consider because... Like you said, that's that's not the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
definitely shows a lot of the inherent issues with just the way that they see rules and laws and and things like that but then the the punishment itself of course imprisonment of people and their treatment in that imprisonment is so cruel just as it is in our society mm-hmm. we live in los angeles los angeles has the largest prison population of any city in the united states the united states has the largest prison population in the world mm-hmm. we kind of live in the carceral capital of the the world and so much of what prisons do in our society and imprisonment of people does in our society is based off of not what is best for the community but ideas of social control ideas of people who are unable to fit a paradigm of labor essentially are treated with violence uh through the police and through the criminal justice system thus we have a massive prison industrial complex that overwhelmingly targets people of color and the poor. Yeah, and we have for-profit prisons. Mm -hmm. And so not only does the prison make them money, but under the 13th Amendment, if you are imprisoned, you can be forced to do labor for no compensation. So... Slavery is okay if you've committed a crime mm-hmm. in in our constitution, uh, which is horrifying. And so people can make even more money off of prisoners. So why would you not want to have more prisoners? Exactly. Because you're getting free labor that you can make money off of. And you're getting paid by the government to house that labor. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you you get money twice. Yeah. Yeah. So that is awful. Mm-hmm. And something I was also thinking about regarding it, a book that I read called Torture in the Eucharist by William Cavanaugh. It, it looked at Pinochet's dictatorship in Chile mm-hmm. and how the use of torture was intentionally used to fragment community and society Mm. so part of the the research that was done was into torture and the experiences and how torture breaks down communication and language Mm. because when you're tortured your words become noises Mm. they become like they lose meaning i mean sure there there may be sometimes people are screaming actual things but oftentimes it's just screaming or groaning so it breaks down language then but then also if you get out of that situation it's broken down in a social community sphere as well because there's nothing that you can say. There's no way for you to communicate what you went through so that somebody who didn't go through it can understand it. Totally. And so I just was noticing how Venny is the only one who talks in this mm. chapter of the three of them. And Octavia 
covers her face she won't even look at Katniss and she's she's sobbing when the bread is mentioned and Flavius also doesn't say anything you know in the next chapter this, this isn't a big spoiler or anything like finally you hear Octavia say something yeah when a five-year-old asks her a question but even that is it's difficult for her to answer and there's just a few words and Flavius still hasn't said anything mm. yeah I was just I was noticing that how their communication is so drastically altered compared to Katniss would be able to just sit there and have them do her you know remake session and not have to say anything because they were talking the whole time and yeah their ability to communicate with her is really changed through this experience yeah that's uh fascinating and horrible yeah Generally, that's this section. Yeah. Is that what we should basically. call it instead of touch, touch points? points? The fascinating and horrible things? Yeah. <laughs> well, did you have any other touch points? Yeah, another thing I, I didn't look up previously, but I looked up this time kind of in terms of what I was doing last book, looking at where we get certain mm. materials and items and things like that. This one's a little more complicated for District 13 because when it comes to nuclear weapons we are second only to russia Mm. and we also are second in graphite exports Mm. with china being the top and china is the third in nuclear weapons and so i feel like probably there's some mix of u.s china and russia in this district if you know we want to read it that way the U.S. is a hard sell for me in a way because they're so communal-minded, but... And America is not. Exactly. <laughs> Opposite. <laughs> We're the capital, and, like, District 13 is the opposite of the yeah. capital. But military structure, you know, we have the biggest military in the world by so much. It's ridiculous if you look at graphs of it and and that has a very hierarchical structure Mm -hmm. and ranks and everything like uh district 13 does so i i think it could only be u.s military and then the others would probably make more sense being russia and china yeah interesting another thing you had mentioned katniss's mom working at the in the medical Mm -hmm. center there and i found it interesting that her mom was the only one that she trusted to medically care for the prep team and that was just kind of making me think about inequalities in medical care and how women are just not listened to or believed or you know like the rate of undiagnosed heart attacks are way higher in women than men and obviously this is particularly the case for women of color and black women especially and obviously the prep team isn't exactly in the same place because they are still the privileged i mean not in this district but they have lived this 
privileged life that has oppressed so many others. Yet there's still, I think, a parallel with the fact that some people might just not be listened to or might, oh, nothing's wrong. They just think something's wrong or whatever it is that is demeaning people's understanding of their own body that stems from prejudice and racism and misogyny and all of these things that people don't even realize that is influencing their care for their patients. Absolutely. Yeah, that's such a good point. And the last thing, small thing I was thinking about is after Katniss's mom reports that the prep team has no permanent physical injuries, Plutarch asks, how soon can they be put to work? Right. And that was just reminding me of the priority of physical wellness over mental wellness. Yeah. Just because they don't have any permanent physical damage does not mean they don't have permanent psychological damage. And even regardless of the permanence part, just the fact that they are still undergoing the the acute effects of this being their reality up to five minutes ago. Yeah. As long as they're not gonna drop dead, let's put them to work. Yeah. And, you know, that's... You can't call in sick because you're depressed. I mean, you can and you lie and say that you're sick with a virus. But that's the thing is that there's always the... The expectation that if you were honest about that, that you would be seen in a more negative light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Technically, everything's happening in our brain. That's how we <laughs> even sense physical ailments. But emotional ones are not given the same weight. Totally. Horrible and fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we... Maybe, maybe leave the horrible behind (laughs) and talk about our wonderments. What is something that you're ruminating on from this chapter? Yeah, I'm trying to think about what the soldiers are like in District 13. If they are like peacekeepers in that they are both a police force and a military. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we mostly hear them described as soldiers and... In particular, the soldier who was guarding the prep team doesn't seem like he was surprised or phased by their treatment. It didn't seem like he got special orders from COIN to treat them that way. So even though it's very possible that it was still a message to Katniss, it also wasn't so far out of just their normal operating procedures Mm -hmm. that yeah it just makes me wonder what that kind of socialization is like if almost everyone is a soldier and soldiers act as guards and police officers and soldiers and like all these things combined just what that means for a society that we know is so militarized you know is is that militarization that pervasive Mm mm-hmm yeah, that, that's really fascinating. <laughs> Are they socialized in such a way that if their sibling broke a rule, that they would 
beat them and chain them up, mm, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing. I, I don't think that it actually was a message to Katniss. Mm. I think, personally, that this is just, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. And this, I mean, I'm sure it helps in Coin's mind. If she sees this, she knows what will happen to her, and all of them do, including Plutarch and Fulvia and stuff. But I think it's always a message to all of them mm-hmm. that that's how they get people to comply with the strict rules. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What about your wonderment? So mine is the idea of District 13 putting people like PETA and the other tributes on trial according to District 13's laws. I'm just like, why? Because particularly if all or most of the districts are fighting to take the capital down, mm-hmm. shouldn't, if any of them are going to be tried at all, them be tried in, by their own district? Right. I mean, granted, the laws were set up by the capital, but... It makes they... as little sense for them to be tried under capital laws as it does District 13 laws. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, it's just so weird because it's it's not even like a no extradition situation Mm -hmm. because they don't even have them. (laughs) (laughs) They're in prison somewhere else. Mm -hmm. They're preparing to try them under their own laws. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, so I'm just like, my wonderment is, does nobody see this? Do people see it and just don't say anything about it? Because they know that that also maybe means that it has nothing to do with the districts, but it's that if the capital is overthrown, whatever District 13's laws are will be applied to all of Panamment. Like, I just, I want to know what is going through people's minds who are not from District 13. And, you know, are there quiet conversations, you know, (laughs) over not coffee that Plutarch and Fulvia have? You know, I just like, yeah, I'm just very curious because... That's baffling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, Peter didn't break any laws. <laughs> <laughs> Peter didn't even know you existed. I know. <laughs> and if saying what you think is breaking a law, you know, that that's interesting. Yeah. Like, sometimes I think it should potentially (laughs) with hate speech and things Mm -hmm. like that but he didn't get secrets from you and give them like he 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 did no espionage like what what rule did he break yeah exactly (laughs) he didn't even speak out against you (laughs) he's a war criminal because he said he didn't like war what Yeah. (laughs) yeah But, you know, as Katniss says, if there's any dissent, it's a problem. Totally. Yeah. District 13 is wild. <laughs> to say the least. And yet also very controlled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're the opposite of wild. Yeah. But they go so far that it circles back around to wild. <laughs> well, when we move into our intentions to close out the episode, this is where we talk about something that we're taking with us from our discussion or our reading of this chapter. Mine kind of follows in 
our discussion about loving your neighbor and and being open to people who you might not naturally be. <laughs> yeah. um, so my intention is to be a bit more intentional um, and try to confront my tendency to avoid conversations that I feel aren't like winnable mm. or people who I feel like I can't get through to. Like I remember back in the before times when you could still go out places and meet people. Um, I was in Grand Central Market and I met a man who I think he asked me to save his seat or something. He left and he came back and then we started chatting. And after 20 minutes, I realized that he was someone who was heavily invested in Q, in QAnon, Mm, the awful, awful conspiracy theories, which I didn't actually know a ton about at the time. Mm -hmm. But still, I could tell this person was saying things that I did not agree with. But I was like, I'm here. I have to work in a little bit again. I just want to, like, not engage. So I didn't engage. And that kind of can be my my natural style of not wanting to cause conflict or waves and things like that. But I think that in a way that that is in of itself patronizing and that is of itself um, limiting both them, and but also me and my perspectives. Not that I think this person would have convinced me of anything, but just that, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe I could understand a little bit more about why someone might be so invested in nonsense conspiracy theories. Uh, so yeah, that, that's my intention. Yeah, that's that's nice. <laughs> I, I don't have that intention. I, just, <laughs> I don't have the energy. To, and I just like... I get it. Yeah, it's like... It also doesn't help anyone to not have any conversations. I mean, it's like, I can have conversations with liberals telling them why they're wrong. <laughs> There's so many Looking reasons. Looking at you, mansion. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at almost all of the Democratic I mean, Democratic that's true. Party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bernie got that. <laughs> One versus 99 <laughs> vote. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot. I'm not just not to say don't do it. I I think it's 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 probably the loving thing to do. Mm-hmm. But don't just don't ask you to. I mean, maybe I'd be more willing to like if I was again actually facing someone. Totally. You know, like there's somebody in front of me and I could talk and have a conversation. Definitely not going to do it online. Oh That's no, not going to help no, anyone. No, no. <laughs> but it's been so long since this happened. It's like. I've forgotten, and it's like right now we're sitting in a hot room, and I'm just like, no, <laughs> y'all are causing this heat wave. <laughs> What's your intention then? So I think my intention is, you know, I'm a pacifist in theory mm-hmm. because philosophically that's my stance, but I've never actually really been involved in anything and so yeah i'd probably i kind of want to look up at some point organizations that are against torture Mm. because our country still does it and it's wrong it would always be wrong but it's also ineffective and so it's just so preposterous 
it needs to be stopped. So I'm sure there are several organizations out there that are working for that. Absolutely. Okay, well, I think that that is finally going to do (laughs) just a small little discussion on this one chapter. Uh, So what's happening next time on The Hunger Games? So next time we're also going to read one chapter. Gasp! (laughs) Who knew that (laughs) Mockingjay was going to be like as ID intense compared to the others? Remember in in the first book when we did two to three chapters? Yeah, that was wild. That's hilarious now. Uh, Maybe at some point we'll be able to bump (laughs) it back up. But for next week, we will just be reading chapter five. Where Katniss inspires no one. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. Find links to our website, our social media, and our Patreon in the episode description. I hope that you join us on Patreon to become a supporter of the podcast and get access to all the special features that we're creating. If you think we're going too slow, join in some of our discussions and make it seem like you're doing more with the Hunger Games every week. (laughs) There you go. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then, geek out! out.